Well, I've entitled this morning's message, The Gift of Father Christmas. The Gift of Father Christmas. This is our first Sunday, and our first Sunday theme is hope. Our scripture lends to that. Now, we all know that Father Christmas is not Santa Claus, and I'm a big Santa Claus fan. Don't get me wrong. But uh, the true Father Christmas, of course, is our Heavenly Father. And He gave us the most wonderful gift that we could ever ask for. Even when we didn't ask for, He knew what we needed. Isn't that wonderful? You actually have someone who can give you the perfect gift without even telling them. Try that on, husbands. I've never succeeded in that. I need a list. I need to know what it is that you want because I'm bound to fall short. But He knew, even when we didn't desire Him, He knew exactly what we needed. And He sent us, He gave us a gift in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that's why we celebrate Jesus Christ all year long. But in a in kind of a different way, we, we kind of unwrap Jesus each year. What I mean by that is there's always something new, always something fresh that the Father has for us, some new revelation of Jesus Christ. And He just wants to be unwrapped every year, and He wants to have that sense of expectation that Tiffany talked about this morning. And again, whatever you may think of Santa Claus, one of the things I do appreciate is that Santa Claus kind of reminds all of us at least one time of a year of what our true Heavenly Father really is like, that He's a God who's not just up there stoic with His arms crossed just waiting to judge us, but you know what? Our Heavenly Father is actually cheerful. He's actually joyful. Do you realize that in heaven, He actually laughs with a big belly laugh? I'm not saying He's got a big belly, but that kind of laugh. You know, I mean, he's spirit. We know. I don't, don't, don't get all twisted now. I know you're thinking theologically here. Some of you are sitting there judging me already. But, but there's just I'm, just, I'm sure that the heaven is just filled with joy and with, with laughter. That's, that's our God. He is the true Father of Christmas. And he is a father of happiness. And he's the father of hope. And I want to talk about that hope this morning. It's found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. Maybe you can read it with me. Paul writes to the believers in Colossae. And here's what he says. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, that is the gospel. Paul says, every time I think of you, I just thank God for your love. You just have this incredible love for one another and this love for those who don't know the Lord. And and he says, and I thank the Lord for your faith. You know, the thing about faith is that faith is not just this wishful thinking. What faith really is, is this unshakable confidence that I belong to Jesus. That's what my faith is. That's what it really is all about. Faith is the certainty, a certainty of your walk with God that so permeates your life that it actually expresses itself in this unconditional love and acceptance of other people. Because you know that you have been loved. You know that you have been received through Christ and been accepted unconditionally by the Heavenly Father. And you can't help but give that away. We had a wonderful opportunity yesterday to go out into the highways and byways, you might say. Some of us went to uh, the the Coliseum there, Turner's Christmas. Some went down to the mall. Some went uh, down on Main Street. And we just went out to to talk about Jesus, to pray with people, and and to just see what the Lord is doing out there and what he wants to do. And uh, we were just so excited to have the opportunity to pray. We got to to pray with at least a dozen different people. We got to to share Christ with them. We saw the Lord actually... uh, heal two people, and, and again, share the gospel with them. Just many, many wonderful things. But it, the reason we went out there is not because we just have some new program in the church. It's not because while we're a church, so we should do evangelism, I guess, so who wants to do that? Anybody live, around, uh, live long enough for the old days of bus ministry? 
Remember the old bus ministry? We have people in our church today who are here because of bus ministry, who accepted Christ because of bus ministry. But you know what? I hated bus ministry. I mean, I loved bus ministry and going on the buses and getting the kids and meeting them and having fun, but I hated going on on Saturday mornings knocking on doors to see if you wanted to send your kid to our Sunday school because I was really kind of shy. And to me, that was just kind of cold turkey evangelism, frontline evangelism. And I would come on Saturday mornings, and, and I'd be terrified, and I'd go out and do my thing, or, or some Saturday mornings I wouldn't feel too well, or some Saturday mornings I might disappear somewhere, but it, it just didn't come natural to me. But, I, I, but, but what I love about the Lord is that He is out there in our community just working in hearts, just loving people. In fact, you know, the more you intentionally decide to share your faith or to look for opportunities, the more you realize the Lord is saying, hey, that's why I want you to pray for laborers, because I'm doing so much out here. I need you to pray for people who can go out and join me. I want you to pray for people who will get out from the table, from the Father's table that they enjoy. There used to be a song about that. And actually get out there and just look for people, look for opportunities as the Lord would lead you to, to share about me. Well, I'm getting off topic. But, but the reason we do that is because not we're obligated, but we feel compelled. We feel compelled because of this love that we have received, that we experience, this acceptance that we know is not just for us. You see, the reality is that if you know Jesus Christ, if you really are walking with Jesus Christ, then you know that God the Father has made up his mind about you. You know what he thinks about you. He looks at you and he says, you're mine. He looks at you and he says, you are my daughter. You are my son. And you know what? He also gives us his Holy Spirit who fills us and who gives us this witness in our heart that we can turn to God with that same confidence and we can say, Father, you are mine. I belong to you, and you belong to me. And it's out of that love, out of that relationship that we're compelled to share Christ with others as well. Paul goes on to say in verse 5, We heard of your faith and of your love for others. Why? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And he says, basically, this is what you heard through the gospel. He's saying that this confidence that you have, this, this unconditional love that you have for other people, it happens in you when you understand in the gospel what God has given to you. And you know what God has given to you? He has given to you the hope of heaven, the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Now, when we think of heaven, obviously we think of eternal life, and that's a wonderful thing. Wonderful gift that God has given to us, the gift of everlasting life, the gift of this endless life. But I believe heaven is more than just a gift of endless life. What the gift is, is that I will live this life forever in the presence of the one who loves me completely, who loves me perfectly. It wouldn't be a good thing to live forever if the conditions weren't right. Some of us have seen the movies where somehow some person drinks some elixir or finds some magic potion, and they live forever. But they look like they're a 1,000 years old, and they want to die. Right? That's not the joy of living forever. One of the joys of endless life is I'm going to spend the remainder of my existence forever with a God who loves me completely. You know, a lot of people have a lot of crazy ideas about heaven, even some childish ideas. I know some folks think that heaven is, is kind of like a, a, a perpetual Disneyland. You know, it's just rides and fun, and that, that's kind of all it is. Not a whole lot of purpose, just a whole lot of fun. There's other people who think that, well, heaven is probably just a continuation of my life. And unfortunately for some people, they're not anxious to get to heaven because they don't really have a whole lot of purpose in this life. They're just kind of dragging their feet. Life's kind of ho-hum. They're just kind of getting through. And, and in their mind, they're thinking, I don't know if I want to live like this forever. 
And so they think, I don't want to go to hell, but heaven's probably just a continuation of this, and this doesn't look too much fun. So, you know, I'll get there when I get there, but I'm not that all excited. In fact, some people even think that heaven is going to be eternally playing golf. Can you imagine that? That is hell. If you ever believe in purgatory, it's at least purgatory, okay? We know it doesn't exist, but, you know. No, no, we, people have all these different ideas. But it's amazing how many people, how many of us in whom the Spirit of God lives, we don't even think about heaven. We don't long for heaven anymore. We don't, we don't, we don't worship the Lord with the, with the recognition of the hope that He has given to us because of heaven, because of what He's done in our heart, and because of what He has waiting for us. But the Bible says that this endless life is a desirable thing because it will consist of experiencing the perfect purposes that God has for us. So the Bible says that we will, if we know Christ, we will reign and rule with Christ forever. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like. We know it's going to be filled with purpose. And I don't know what your activity is going to look like. But what I can assure you is this, is that whatever gifts God has given to you, whatever purpose it was for which God has made you, Whatever have been the desires, the godly desires of your heart that have been longing to be fulfilled, in heaven you will experience those purposes perfectly and endlessly fulfilled forever. That is heaven. That is the hope that the Lord has for us. But it's not just his presence. It's not just this sense of purpose. It's also forever knowing that everything that I am enjoying, everything that I am receiving, I deserve none of it. None of it. And for eternity, it's not going to be boring. I'm going to be looking for endless expressions of praise and of worship just being beside myself. Can you imagine in heaven, whatever it is the Lord has for us, but I'm sure like every few moments, it's just going to hit on you like, I don't deserve to be here. <laughs> oh, Lord, I praise you. So great is your salvation. So great is your mercy. So great is your love that you are mine and I am yours. I can't even begin to grasp what it's going to be like and what we're going to experience, all those feelings. But I think the old hymn writer put it best when he said, it's just going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. And he says, the half has not yet been told. We can't even imagine what the Lord prepared for those who love him. Well, the Colossians understood God's gift of hope, and it affected every part of their lives. It's like Paul is saying, I just appreciate you guys so much. You're not just sitting around waiting for the rapture. You're not sitting around complaining about how bad this world is. He says, you are people who are living like Jesus. You are people who love in a way that shows that you belong to Jesus. You love in a way that shows that you're not of this world. Your priorities are not of this world. You know what it means that God sent his son into this world to give you hope. And that hope has given you a taste of eternity. But it's not just in the future. It's a taste of eternity that actually changes the way that you live today. And so I want to ask you this morning, how do you think about heaven? And in fact, I'd ask you even this, do you think about heaven? How long has it been since you've thought about this glorious hope that we have in the Lord? You know, a lot of Christians view heaven as kind of an escape. There are other Christians I've talked to that if they're honest, they're, they're glad it exists, but they don't really have much practical use for it right now. It's, it's kind of like talking about Santa Claus. 
I was telling the folks in the first service a story that came to mind, but a pastor was preaching on heaven, waxing eloquent, and talking about the Lord's return. And he says, how many want to go? If you want to go, stand up. And the congregation stands. But he notices one man back in the corner who didn't stand. So after the service, he knew him. He says, brother, he says, he says do you know the Lord? Do you know you're going to heaven? And he said, oh, oh yes, pastor, I know, but I thought you were taking a group now. <laughs> so we know that heaven is awaiting us. But how many of us long to be forever with the Lord? I love what the Apostle Paul said. There's so much work to do. I'm paraphrasing, but there's so much work to do here that if the Lord needs me, I'm so glad to stay here and work for him and share the gospel and see him do great things and touch lives. But, oh, I want to be with the Lord. It's so much better. I want to be in heaven. It's so much better. And, and I just feel that same way. I love this world. I love my family. I love all that stuff. But you know what? I also know in my heart that the moment I step into heaven, I'm going to forget everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I love you all, but when I get into heaven, I ain't asking to come back. I don't think many people who have actually been to heaven really want to come back. You know, we have concern for our loved ones. We say the Lord will take care of them. But we forget sometimes we live so much in this world of actually what is waiting for us. And we don't live from that perspective oftentimes. But this scripture in Colossians shows us just how practical our hope of heaven really is. I always think of the story, I think I might have shared it before, but it comes to mind when I talk about heaven, but a true story. A number of years ago when I was young in ministry, there was a pastor who was actually quite old, well, he was my age, <laughs> what I am now, I guess, but uh, he was nearing retirement age, and uh, the church had been doing okay, he'd been there for many, many years, but the church was aging, and it was at a time where they, they kind of felt, we just kind of, you know, maybe need a younger influence, we'd like to be able to attract some young families, all that kind of stuff, and right or wrong, that's just the way the leadership was beginning to feel, and so they, they talked to the pastor one day, and they said, Pastor, we love you, we don't know what your plans are, but, but we're just thinking that we maybe need a change somewhere in the near future. We kind of need younger leadership, we need to draw some younger families, maybe a different approach to ministry. The pastor is very gracious, been there for a number of years. He said, listen, he said, uh, I love you all, and he said, I'm happy to stay here and serve you. Need me. I don't want to be in the way. If you feel that way, I'll pray about it as well and, and see what the Lord has. And so he ended up resigning, and uh, they had another pastor that came in, a younger pastor went on from there. But there were some people who had heard about some of the backstory behind his resignation, and they weren't too happy. And uh, so they approached the pastor. They said, Pastor, they said, listen, we've, we've heard why you resigned. We just don't think that's fair. And, and it kind of breaks our heart. And we just, we want to know how you're making out. Because at his age, they weren't sure if he was going to get another church or what exactly he was going to do. But they were kind of surprised by his response. Because when they said, Pastor, what are you going to do? He just looked at them and smiled. And he said, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. And he wasn't trying to be quaint. He wasn't trying to be cute. But what he was sharing was genuinely from his heart, what he was sharing was this, this absolute certainty that was the anchor of his life, that permeated his life. And basically what he's saying was, listen, whatever happens in this world, my heavenly Father has given me the gift of a hope that's eternal. I am going to heaven. And if he's taking care of that, he'll take care of whatever is between now and then. I'm in his hands. I'm good. My heart is filled with hope. My heart is filled with peace. And I've often thought, you know, there's such a simplicity in that response that really should remind every single one of us that if I really am a true child of God, then I never get too old. I never get too smart. I never get too sophisticated in my faith. I never get too accomplished to stop cherishing the fact that the real issue of my life ultimately is I am going to heaven to be with Jesus. Bottom line, that's what is really the anchor in my life. 
not to mention what he does in his kingdom of my life in this world. And so God the Father, the Father of Christmas, has given each of us the gift of a much greater hope. Now, I know we're human. I know that we don't think of heaven a lot of times. We get preoccupied with what's going on in this world, and we even get preoccupied with, with good things, with the kingdom of God in this world and what he's doing through, through that. But the reality is oftentimes we don't think about things beyond until we kind of get closer to it. So maybe you're getting advanced in years. Maybe you're in that last decade of life if things go as they normally do. Or, or maybe even this morning you've a, you know, you're somebody who's heard, uh, got a diagnosis or something of some terminal disease. Whatever it is, there's certain things that can happen in our lives that make us think more about the life to come, more about, about heaven itself. In fact, we have folks in our own congregation who've been going through that. We've seen God do some, some wonderful things and others who are still walking with the Lord through the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm an absolutely firm believer, my friends, that God is able to change any prognosis. I've seen him do it too many times to know that it wasn't just coincidence. Whether God uses the skill of a doctor to bring healing to a body, to cure that disease, whether he does something that the doctors can't explain, there's some turnaround in the health, whatever it may be, I still call it a miracle. I still call it a work of God. But there are also times when we pray, and we pray with just as much faith, we pray with just as much passion, and that life is not prolonged. That person does not survive. They do not live. And those are times that we can't explain. And yet what I do know is that God does not just randomly select who's going to be healed and who's going to die a premature death. That's not what he does. You see, death is not evidence that somehow God is less loving. Death does not mean that my heavenly father somehow, you know, missed me, doesn't know what's going on in my life, doesn't care about me, or that he's not powerful enough to bring a remedy into my situation. That's not what it's about. Paul says that God the Father is the Father of hope. That's what he says in Romans 15, 13. He says, may the God of hope fill you with what? Fill you with all joy. Fill you with all peace. How? In believing. In believing. It's not just a head thing. It's not just a theology thing. It's not just a, a sermon thing. It's not just this pie-in-the-sky idea. Listen, you need to believe this truth. And if it gets a hold of your heart, it will change the way you live and the way that you approach life, the way you focus on everything in your life. You need to understand this God of hope has laid up for you hope in heaven. He has accomplished that for you. And what that means is that the hope that he gives us lets us know that no matter what happens, friends, and I don't say this lightly, but the truth is we never ultimately lose. We don't lose. We do win. Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. At the heart of our hope is knowing that whether you live to be 98 years or nine months in this world, our life is anchored in a far greater hope. We might even look at situations and say, well, it just seems that person died prematurely. And that might happen at times when there's a life of disobedience or rebellion from God, premature from what he intended. But when you're walking with the Lord, there is no premature. You just get a head start on heaven. That's the reality. You get a head start into the new life that he has for you. And it doesn't mean that this life is not precious. I know that all of us will eventually die. And yet again, I've seen God so many times heal that whatever the sickness may be, I take the same biblical position as always, and that is to contend for healing. I always contend for healing. 
Because unless God gives me some revelation, it's not up to me to know what he intends for you, how long your days are going to be. But neither is it up to me to accept any prognosis as just inevitable. Our role as the people of God always is to take a position of faith. But hear me, friends. Faith is not only the belief that a good heavenly Father will heal you. Faith is also the certainty that should healing not come, that that same good, loving, caring, heavenly Father has simply opened up to you a greater hope that any miracle healing cannot compare to. And he's ushered you into his presence. Friends, we don't lose. We don't lose. And when we understand that, it begins to change the way we live today. Again, Paul said, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Why? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Our Heavenly Father wants us to embrace that hope that He's given to us. Because I believe in these days in which we live, He wants to create in us an unshakable commitment to Jesus Christ. An unconditional love for those around us, no matter how messed up their lives may be, because we understand that we have been unconditionally loved, and through Christ we have been made accepted by the Father. He wants us to have an unbending conviction that whatever happens in this world, whatever does go well or doesn't go well, God does all things well. And ultimately, we always win in Him. That's what He said to the believers in Corinth. The Corinthian believers, he said in, in 2 Corinthians 2, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. You see, in his son Jesus Christ, God the Father not only has given us a Savior, but he has given us a king that leads us into a new life in this world of expectation. You see, until we go home to be with the Lord, as a sons and daughters, as kings and priests, we live in the kingdom realm of Jesus Christ. We live in his triumph. That doesn't mean that we live in catchphrases and formulas. We're not talking about that. We live in a real relationship. We live in a, in a, in a walk with God that sometimes knows valleys, sometimes knows the mountaintops, everything in between. But what we know as we walk with the Lord is that we have available to us everything that he has, has won in his triumph. We have all his successes available to us. We have all his achievements available to us. And then when this life is over and I lay my body down, down, what do I do? I step into eternity where it doesn't stop. And I hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the monotony of heaven. No, no, no. Enter into the joy, the joy the Lord has for you. In fact, the scripture says if we walk with the Lord, we can have this confidence that there is waiting for us an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God. I believe with all my heart, not only when I die will Jesus come and collect me personally, but I believe when I step into heaven, there is an announcement. This is my son, Paul Patterson. Let's welcome him home. Amen. And there's joy and there's shouts and there's celebration. And of course, we all turn our attention to Jesus Christ, the one who made it all possible. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote in the early 1900s. He said this, if you read history, 
you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were those who thought most of the next world. Those who did most for the present world are those who thought most of the next. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you'll get neither. You'll get neither. Heaven is not a pie in the sky when you die fantasy, friends. It's an absolute certainty that God wants to fill every part of your life. He wants it to sharpen your focus on everything you do. He wants it to assure you that you are loved with an eternal love of God. And he wants to give you the confidence to stand in faith no matter what happens. And this Christmas, I want to invite you to lay hold afresh of God's gift of heaven. I want you to lay hold afresh of the fact that God has glorious purpose for you in this life and in the life to come. And I want you to lay hold afresh of the, pur- of the assurance, rather, that his purpose for you, if you walk with him, his purpose for you, if you will live your life in the light of heaven, his purpose for you will be fulfilled. Nothing will thwart that. It doesn't mean that life always goes easy, but even in the time of difficulty, God is working in you to both desire and be able to do what he has for you. He's always at work in us to fulfill his purpose, to fulfill those longings that he places within us, to fill our hearts with confidence, to fill our heart with a fresh love. You know, a lot of the times the Lord, why he refines us, not only the things he wants to shape in us, but the things he wants to break out of us that make us so self-consumed, so much looking at ourselves, the concern about ourselves. He wants to actually give us a testimony. He wants to show us things. He wants to break and grow things. He wants us to be able to minister to other people and have compassion for other people which oftentimes we don't have when life is just going great and we're just going Monday to Friday and partying on the weekends or wherever the case may be. He says, whoa, 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 let me slow you down a little bit and show what life is really all about. Let me slow you down a little bit and, and open your eyes a little bit to what people are going through around you, people that I love and care about, people that I want you to pray because I want you to pray for more to go to the harvest because they're out there waiting. I just need to get your eyes off you. You're already saved. You already got the hope. But there's a whole city out there that has never heard. They don't have the hope but I want to give them that same hope. I want them to hear the gospel too. Would you bow your hearts with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning for this beautiful, glorious season of Christmas. I pray that we would be like children, Lord, and never, never lose the wonder, the wonder and the thankfulness, oh God, for what this season means. But Lord, I pray this morning, this first Sunday of Advent, that Lord, that you would just fill our hearts afresh with hope. Get our eyes off all the things, Lord, that the media wants to make us fearful about. Get our eyes off all the things that consume us, O Lord God, and blind us to the real needs all around us. Lord, you promised to take care of our every need. And you want to do that, Lord, so you can begin to express your love through us to those around us. And Lord, you want to bring that unshakable certainty in our heart that you are a good, good father. You are a loving and kind God. You are cheerful and joyful. You are fun to be around, O Lord. And we start walking where you walk. We get to laugh a lot because we just shake our head and say, wow, God, you're, you're awesome. You are so amazing. You are so, it's so neat what you do. I just pray, O Lord, God, even this Christmas season, set us free. Get our eyes off of us, Lord. Bring us into a new freedom of walking in your kingdom. Whatever may come our way, knowing, Lord, that ultimately I'm going to heaven 
I am going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.